We turn again this morning to Ephesians chapter 2, reading once again the first 10 verses. And our text this morning is verses 4 through 6, so pay attention especially to verses 4 through 6 as we read this passage. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath, made, hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, the contrast set before us in this text is that of the glorious God, His magnificent grace, the greatness of His power and the riches of His mercy as He reveals Himself to us who were desperately lost in the misery of our own depravity. In fulfillment of his eternal decree of election in Christ, he has quickened us together with Christ. Children of wrath were we, better than none. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel that will be signified and sealed presently in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. May the Spirit write it upon our hearts that we see ourselves quickened with Christ. With that as our theme, we notice three things. First, our new life. Secondly, our exalted position. And finally, our enjoyment of incomprehensible love. You and I, who were dead in trespasses and sins, have a new life. Set before us in this text, is one of the most profound statements with respect to the state and condition of the Christian that can be found anywhere in the Bible. When we were dead in sin, God 
quickened us together with Christ. And having quickened us, having given us a new life, he has also raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the very essence of Christianity. What God has done for us and to us. God has quickened us. What a powerful proclamation this is. Do you see that? But God. This is the only gospel we have to preach. The gospel is the proclamation that man is dead, but God is the one who quickens from the dead. Do we think of ourselves in terms of what God has done? for us, and in us? Or do we think of ourselves as Christians in terms of what I have done, what I am doing, what I am trying to do? Our thinking must begin with God, with His work, with what He has done and is doing, with the blessed place He has given us even when we were dead in sin. Again, I call your attention to this matter immediately because the text is, is immediately experiential and personal. That's the whole context. The apostle is addressing the Ephesian Christians, and God preserves this for you and me, of what has happened in their lives, and of their present position before God our Father. He's speaking to them personally about their own life as Christians, about their enjoyment of what God has done and is doing, contrary to the man who is yet outside of Christ. You and I are quickened, alive, raised, seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it all began, yes, in eternity. But in our lives, when God quickened us together with Christ. That word quickened, though an old English word, means to make alive, to impart life. So that we may say that the, that the first thing that's true of a Christian is that by the work of God's grace, he has come to the end of his death. We were dead in trespasses and sin. But God has made us alive. That's what it is to be a Christian. We must be able to say, I am alive in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin, dead to the law. There is therefore now no condemnation for me. If you're alive, you're no longer dead. But to expand upon this a little, this means that God has put a new spirit of life in me. God has done that. And God did that by the wonder work of his grace. So that what Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 2 is our own experience. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
that was given us in regeneration. When Paul says, and you hath he quickened, he means you are those whom God has regenerated. You've been born again, born anew by the Spirit of the risen and exalted Christ. The life of Christ is now your life. The life of him who died for you is now your life. When this matter of being quickened together with Christ is truly understood by us, we see here a doctrine unsurpassed in its glory among all the doctrines of Scripture, and most particularly when it comes to our participation in the salvation which God has given us. I talk about our union with Christ, our being made one with him. Notice how that's emphasized in the text by the expression, together with Christ. God has quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's an organic union between us and Christ, not just a legal union, there's an organic union between us and Christ. The church has her life in Christ. And the same is true of us, therefore, as members of that body. One cannot be a member of that glorious body without being together with Christ, one with him. That union, again, is a spiritual an organic union. It's not mechanical. It doesn't come about merely by being a member of the church institute. We don't somehow attach ourselves to the head. God establishes that union. And he does that by quickening us together with Christ. The apostle will go on further to explain further how that's worked in us, for by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. But in this text, what is emphasized is that union with Christ, by which we have life in him. God, by the operation of his Holy Spirit, instills this new life in us suddenly instantaneously, that immediately brings us into union with Christ. Birth is not a gradual process. Growth is a gradual process, but not our birth. Birth is an event of a moment. So it is with our spiritual life. Only this quickening is much more profound than physical birth, because there's life in the womb even prior to birth, but when we talk about regeneration, we must recognize the contrast that makes it more wonderful than our physical birth. Because one moment we were dead, the next moment we are alive. And obviously this is something that happens beneath our consciousness. Jesus himself made that plain in his instruction of Nicodemus, in John 3, verse 8, 
The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I was dead. I'm now alive. It's amazing. It's miraculous. I cannot comprehend it, nor can I explain it. But that principle of that seed of life in me affects my whole being, my body, my mind, my heart, my will. Do you know this, beloved? This is why the apostle says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this new life into which God has quickened us is not merely a matter of being rehabilitated from some bad habits and harmful and sinful habits. This life that is ours is resurrection life. Not merely an earthly life that marks us different, but an advance into immortality. A life a state in which death has no more dominion over us. Ours is now a life of freedom that can never be taken away. Freedom in Christ. God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, hath quickened us together with Christ. Blessed be God. He's given us an amazing place, an exalted position in Christ Jesus. Our exalted position is emphasized in verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The quickening and resurrection and exaltation of believers with their Lord Jesus Christ is presented here as an accomplished fact. Just as Christ has risen from the dead, so God has raised us up together with him. This emphasizes the truth that we are no longer dead in sin. What does this mean in actual practice? For one thing, the fact that God has raised us up together with Christ means that we are no longer under the wrath of God. The last part of Romans chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 5 sheds light upon this very truth. Paul closes chapter 4 pointing to Christ who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That obviously means that the Lord's death was for, that is, on account of our offenses. He died bearing our sins and transgression. And he did so as an offering on our behalf. That's what we commemorate in this sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning. But how do we know that God was satisfied with that offering? The answer is seen in the resurrection. 
Christ was raised again for, that is, on account of our justification. He accomplished that purpose of God. And because Christ had fully satisfied God's justice, he was raised again. The emergence of Jesus Christ from death and the grave was proof positive that our sin has been truly punished in full. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 1. Or to put it in terms of Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We are raised from the dead with him as those justified. And therefore there is no condemnation. Whereas we were dead, children of wrath even as others, we are no longer there. We are risen from the dead, risen with Christ. That means in addition, we are dead to the law dead to the law. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. All of us are born under the law. That's the, there's the law of God challenging us, condemning us because of our failure, holding us responsible, pointing us to hell. But if we are in Christ, Raised together with him, we're no longer under that law. Grace has embraced us. That doesn't mean we no longer have to keep the law of God. If we're living in true liberty, we seek the law. We long to live in the way of God's commandment. We find our freedom in that life of obedience. But that, no, that law no longer stands before us holding us in legal bondage. No longer condemns us. Because being in Christ, having been raised together with him, we're established in a new relationship, a personal relationship to God as our Father for Jesus' sake. We're no longer under the wrath of God. We are dead to the law. But there's still more. Because we are risen with Christ, we are also dead to sin. The apostle in Romans 6, pointing to the truth that we have been buried with Christ by baptism into death and have been raised with him in newness of life, says in verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whether we like to think so or not, the fact is that every unregenerate person is a slave to sin. 
empowered by an evil principle of spiritual death. But that's no longer the case when we are risen with Christ. We've been raised above that. That doesn't mean we no longer sin. In the folly of our old man, we still yield to temptation. But the truth of our being raised together with Christ means we're no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer controlled by it. We have died with Christ, we have risen with him, and we no longer are held by the prison walls of our guilt and sin and death. That's a remarkable and wonderful thing. And that explains why we cannot be content in sinful ways. That explains why we must fight against all sin and struggle against anything that would hinder our fellowship with God our Father. That's the spirit of the risen Lord working in us. We have an entirely new attitude toward God. We have a new mind. We've been changed from death unto life. And God has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This repeats the the truth set forth already in Ephesians 1 verse 3. As a result of our regeneration, we belong to the heavenlies, where the glory and presence of God is enjoyed in a marvelous way. Christ has been exalted as our head. He reigns over all. But Christ has, God has exalted us together with him. So that not only do we partake of his heavenly glory and mighty dominion, but so that we have fellowship with God in a way that was never open to us before. And that means you understand that we no longer belong to the world as those dead in sin. But Christ, is he, in the words of Galatians 1 verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. We are no longer controlled by what the world is doing, by what others think, by popular opinion. We are those who have victory over this world. That's makes us pilgrims and strangers in the earth. We belong to the kingdom of God. And notice, this isn't merely something off in the future somewhere. This is what God has already given us. Our conversation is in heaven. Philippians 3 verse 20. We live now in a realm that is near to God. We have opportunity for fellowship with God in a most blessed way. That's our blessed privilege. We can talk with him. 
and speak with Him. And He speaks to us by His Word. We know His will. We delight in His blessing. We lay hold of His promises knowing His unchangeable faithfulness. Such is the fruit of the wonder work of God's grace, whereby he has quickened us together with Christ. We look by faith upon our crucified and risen Savior, even in the elements of the Lord's Supper. We know that God has exalted him at his own right hand in heavenly glory. We believe that God has quickened us together with him, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because by faith we know that we are in Him, and He is the head, and we are the members of His body. That's evident to us. Because He dwells in us by His Spirit. But for the complete realization of all this glory, we wait. For we are saved in hope. We are quickened. We have been raised together with him, but we also shall be raised together with him. And then our yet unseen sitting with him in heavenly places, shall be openly and fully manifest. Death shall be completely swallowed up in victory. So this glorious salvation of which our text speaks is also a matter of our enjoyment of God's incomprehensible love. All this blessedness, all this precious Union with Christ, all this life is the revelation and realization of the great love wherewith God has loved us. He loved us. Even when we were dead in sin. His love, therefore, was not a response to our love whereby we love Him. It preceded our love. It motivates our love. His love was a love only for His own namesake. We can't explain it. The reason for that amazing love is purely divine. It's hidden in the very heart of God. It's sovereign. It's free. It's eternal love. He's loved us eternally in Jesus Christ. By grace ye are saved. By grace he looked upon us in Jesus Christ, a proper object of his love. And he loved us. And for that love, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That love was the cause for him quickening us. 
and making us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Great love. A mighty, unquenchable love it is. It seeks its object. It seizes its object. It reflects in its object the glory of God's grace. And that which is the exercise of God's sovereign and amazing love is also the expression of the riches of His mercy. God is rich in mercy, beloved. Look at us, will you? God is rich in mercy. We were in the depths of misery. We were bound with the unbreakable shackles of death. Children of wrath, enemies of God, hating God and one another. God had mercy. He who is rich in mercy, he who himself is the fount of all blessings, will to make us blessed too. He would bless us by taking us into the fellowship of his own life, the communion of his own love. He would make us his in Christ Jesus. Rich in mercy. So we have been drawn out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you, who were dead in trespasses and sin, but God, he is God alone. He alone could save us. He alone did save us. He alone shall save us. So he has revealed himself to us. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Gracious Father, we thank thee for the wonderful gospel of our salvation in Jesus Christ the great love wherewith thou hast loved us, the tender mercies thou hast bestowed upon us. Bless us now as we commemorate these wonderful truths in partaking of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.